Well, good morning to you. It is Tuesday, July 4th, 2023. Tuesday, July 4th, 2023. Slava Ukraine, Heroium Slava, and happy Independence Day. I, by the way, and, and it, this is sort of a pet peeve of mine, when somebody says to you that today, when they say to you, happy 4th of July, say yeah, and happy Independence Day too. Because the holiday is not the 4th of July. That's not what it's called. It's Independence Day. I don't know. Maybe I'm just a little anal. Maybe. <laughs> PVTV. Political Views TV Podcast. That's what you Google to find me. Uh, tell your friends to Google Political Views TV Podcast and I'll show up right at the top of the search. I, can I just say how much I appreciate you coming every day? Thank you so much. Uh, it was really nice. I know you can get news all over the place. But you know that I always have something extra to say. <laughs> if you can, please bring someone with you today or tomorrow. Uh, that would be awesome. And uh, a perfect day today. Are you going to be meeting with family? You're going to be having this barbecue and you can play me and annoy your conservative family members. They'll love it. Uh, tweet to me questions, insights, or come fight with me at Cyberclops. C-Y-B-E-R-C-L-O-P-S. Maybe send me a story. Maybe say hi. Whatever. Four years I've been... I started my fourth year doing this. That's quite a feat. How many people do you know have gone Monday through Friday every single day, including holidays, just like today? Anyway, let's get to it. Let's start as we usually do, since the war started, anyway, uh, with the uh, war in Ukraine. As expected... The president of Lithuania has urged NATO leaders to address Ukraine's push to join the NATO military alliance at a summit in the capital uh, uh, next week. <clears throat> uh, president uh, Gitanas Noseda said in an interview, we should not hesitate to take bolder decisions because otherwise the Putin regime will decide that the Western allies are too weak pushed to the corner, and they will surrender. Our stronger wording on Ukraine perspective, meaning for, for joining the alliance, would be sure increase, uh, for sure increase the fighting spirit of the Ukrainian soldiers on the battlefield. And this is very important. I, and like I say, Lithuania, Estonia, Latvia, those Baltic states... Always the loudest voice against Russia because they've been part of Russia. I, you know, I'm wondering if Kaliningrad is going to just separate themselves. I, at this point, they really should, right? And become a Western nation? Kaliningrad? That would be interesting. <clears throat> uh, Zelensky spoke to Sweden Prime Minister Ulf Christensen, Christensen, and thanked him for two sanctions packages against Russia during its six months presidency of the Council of European Union. Uh, Zelensky tweeted, We discussed the situation on the battlefield and the latest developments in Russia. This is evidence of a split in Russian society and the weakness of the power vertical. In such circumstances, further political pressure on Russia and military support for Ukraine will be most effective. We agreed to coordinate efforts to bring NATO membership closer for Ukraine and Sweden. Uh, 
We also discussed the uh, pace of implementation of previous agreements on defense support for Sweden. I conveyed to Christensen the further needs of Ukraine, in particular on strengthening air defense. And, and by the way, they've been doing a great job on air defense. And we're going to get to something uh, uh, that the about the Patriot missiles in a minute. Something interesting. Uh, <clears throat> Russian Foreign Ministry spokeswoman Maria Zakharova says proposals to set up a subsidiary of the Russian State Agricultural Bank for the purpose of the Black Sea grain deal are unworkable. Uh, this is about that bone we talked about yes, being tossed yesterday for the Black Sea grain deal. They're saying it's not enough. <clears throat> it's not going to do it. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see. They've said that many times before just because they want to get more out of it. Italy's central bank has frozen assets belonging to Russian oligarchs valued at about 2 billion euros. 2.2 billion dollars, approximately. Uh, since last year's invasion of Ukraine, that that's... Uh, um, how much they've done since then. As part of EU sanctions against the Kremlin and its backers, Italy seized assets that included bank accounts, luxury villas, yachts, and cars. Maybe they'll have a nice auction and I can get something cheap. Uh, the director of Italy's anti-money laundering unit, Enzo Serrata, said financial holdings worth about 330 million euros, uh, which is like uh, $360 million, something like that, uh, linked to 80 individuals, had been frozen. Now, Italy uh, was a huge destination for uh, Russian oligarchs. So there's a lot of money tied up in Italy over there. So uh, Italy is on the front lines there for, for the financial uh, seizures, I suppose. Yesterday, the Ukrainian Air Force released a video. And this is what I was talking about a minute ago. They released a video uh, of, of a soldier walking around his uh, Patriot missile system. And next to him on the side of the Patriot were pictures of what the Patriot has taken out. So it'll, uh, um, uh, they, it, the Ukrainian Air Force released a video that appeared to include a tacit claim that one of its donated Patriot air defense systems downed several Russian aircraft on May 13th. The pictures had dates on them. That's a day when Moscow lost at least four and possibly five aircraft. Okay? I, I, granted, it didn't have all five uh, on, the side of the, uh, on the side of the Patriot battery, and it's because one of them, Russia, uh, shot down their own by mistake. Uh, anyway, this isn't about that. Uh, this alone is big the four aircraft that were labeled on that date. But the claim is that the losses were from within Russia's own borders. On the side of the missile system are pictures of its kills and the date of those kills. May 13th, Russia lost two Mi-8 HIP helicopters, uh, uh, an Su-34 fullback strike fighter, and an Su-35 flanker E with no survivors. All four aircraft came down in Russia's Bryansk Oblast, opposite, opposite northeast Ukraine's Chernihiv Oblast. The issue? Ukraine is not supposed to use Patriot missiles on Russian territory. But the planes are firing from Russian territory. Doesn't that make them all fair game? I mean, think about it. 
They're firing into uh, Ukraine. They have to be fair game. Now, Patriot Missile Systems in Kiev. They could have moved them because shooting an aircraft from Kiev, which is like, what, 100 and, uh, no, how, how far is that? It's pretty far. It's, uh, it's, it's pretty far. 160 miles? Something like that? Um, from that far away is a shot in the dark. And if they took out four aircraft from Kiev, that would be amazing. So I don't know where, where it happened. Um, anyway, moving on. Russia said today that Ukraine had attacked Moscow with at least five drones. The Russian defense, of course, that's the claim. Uh, the Russian defense ministry said that Moscow air defenses shot down four Ukrainian drones while a fifth was jammed and crashed into the Odensovo district of the Moscow region. No one was injured. But, it's you know, it's highly unlikely they came from Ukraine since they were taken out, uh, taken down about 20 miles from Moscow. If they were from Ukraine, they would have been taken out long before, right? I mean... This is, we're talking, what is that, 300 miles to Moscow? Is that what it is? I forget. Anyway, Russian Foreign Ministry spokeswoman Maria Zakharova uh, said the Kiev regime's attempt to attack an area where civilian infrastructure is located, including the airport, which incidentally also receives foreign flights, is yet another act of terrorism. The international community should realize that the United States, Britain, France, permanent members of the UN Security Council, are financing a terrorist regime. This comment, I might add, is actually from a terrorist organization. And, and you know, it's, what's, what's funny is she points out permanent members of the UN Security Council, which Russia used to be part of <laughs> until they invaded Ukraine in 2014. Anyway, um, like I said, this comment is from a, a, a terrorist organization itself, which is Russia. Uh, landings and takeoffs at Moscow's uh, uh, Nukovo airport were restricted for several hours today before normal operations resumed after 5 a.m. Uh, GM uh, gross mean time. Uh, Russia's uh, Federal Air Transport Agency, Rosaviatsiya, said on Telegram that landings and takeoffs were restricted for technical reasons beyond the control of the airports. So they didn't, they didn't even want to admit that it was because of the drones. Uh, Russia's defense ministry says uh, troops repelled 10 attacks in Donetsk direction over the past 24 hours. Ministry spokes, uh, uh, spokesperson Lieutenant General Igor Konashenkov said in the Donetsk direction, 10 enemy attacks were successfully repelled by competent and courageous actions of the defending units of the Southern Group of Forces. The Institute for the Study of War said Ukraine made marginal advances on uh, uh, today or yesterday, uh, June 3rd, as it conducted its counteroffensive in at least four sectors. Oleksiy Danilov, the head of Ukraine's National Security and Defense Council, wrote on Twitter, at this stage of active hostilities, Ukraine's defense forces are fulfilling the number one task, the maximum destruction of manpower, Equipment, fuel depots, military vehicles, command posts, artillery, and air def uh, defense forces of the Russian army. Uh, taking out all that stuff. Or, or taking it back. 
Uh, Ukraine's governor of the Kharkiv region says Russian shelling wounded 12 people, including five children, in Pervomaysk. Uh, on, uh, uh, and on ta- Telegram, Ole, Ole Senehubov said, according to preliminary information, the shelling was carried out with a high-explosive projectile. As a result, several cars caught fire in the parking lot. Uh, currently, 12 injured people are known, including five children. Since that first statement, Senhubov has raised the number of people wounded in an attack on Provomayevsky to 31, including nine children. Andrei Yermak, head of Zelensky's office, said on Telegram, as of 3 p.m., we know of a significant number of wounded. 31 people were taken to hospital. Nine of them are children, two infants, one year and 10 months. The local prosecutor's office said in a statement, a man and woman died in Kherson after the city uh, in uh, southern Ukraine was shelled by Russia this morning. It also said the number of wounded is being ascertained. Uh, damage to property has been uh, has also been reported. Uh, now that I have your attention, we'll move on. Let's try and fix the rest of the world. Uh, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen will uh, uh, travel to Beijing later this week as part of ongoing efforts by the Biden administration to deepen communication between the U.S. and China. And also, you know, uh, try and repair the damage done by Biden's foot and mouth disease. Uh, Yellen will be the second cabinet-level member to travel to China in the last month. No significant breakthroughs are expected with the conversations over her three-day trip expected to be, uh, which is expected to be be constructive and frank, according to uh, a senior Treasury official. Yellen is not expected to meet with President Xi Jinping, according to the official. Of course, if our president is going to call something that waddles a duck, as he did when he called Xi Jinping a dictator, there will be a need to mend fences. Uh, Yellen is expected to meet with senior Chinese officials as well as leading U.S. firms. She will discuss areas of concern like documented allegations of human rights abuses and ways to responsibly manage competition between the two powers, as well as areas where they can work together on global challenges like climate change. For me, climate change, climate change would be number one. In testimony before Congress in April, Yellen stressed the importance of maintaining ties with China and said that decoupling would be a big mistake. And I agree. We get, there are things that China does that could affect our, our bottom line greatly. And we don't want to anger them too much until we're prepared to uh, defend ourselves uh, economically. Uh, though she noted that human rights abuses in China are questionable, trade policies must be addressed, and questionable trade policies must be addressed. In June, she told a group of top American CEOs that it is critical for the U.S. to work with China on specific and urgent global challenges. This is all, of course, a way to smooth things out in preparation of a Biden visit, which could happen happen uh, later this year. We shall see. Uh, China seems to be concerned with South Korea and Japan after they have gotten closer to, well, the United States. China's top diplomat urged Japan and South Korea to foster a sense of strategic autonomy from the West and cooperate with Beijing. 
to revitalize Asia. China is trying to woo them away from the U.S. In a video shared by Chinese state media, Wang told Japanese and South Korean guests attending a trilateral forum in the eastern coastal city of Qingdao that most Americans and Europeans can't tell China, Japan, and South Korea apart. I take offense to that. I, you know, that they all look alike to us. That's what he's basically saying. Uh, Wang said, no matter how blonde you dye your hair, how sharp you shape your nose, you can never become a European or American. You can never become a Westerner. I, I would highly disagree with that. I, all, all my, all my, uh, I, I, there are so many Asian people that I meet in LA that are just wonderful people, kind people. They're so nice. I, I, how could they not? I, I think they're just people. They're just people. There's nothing wrong with them. Um, I maybe, maybe, maybe in the Midwest, there's going to be some problems. As usual, because, you know, the Republicans like to stow, uh, uh, fear, uh, stoke fear with hate. They really do. Uh, he, he went on. We must know where our roots lie. Wow. Wow. Uh, the desperate use race to sow fear, just like Republicans do. It's politics 101. Uh, in, in his opening remarks... <clears throat> Wang called for Japan and South Korea to promote inclusive Asian values, foster a sense of strategic autonomy, maintain regional unity and stability, uh, resist the return of the Cold War mentality, and be free of the coercion of bullying and hegemony. Um, uh, Wang was quoted as saying, the fate of the region is firmly in our hands. In a not-so-thinly-veiled swipe at the U.S., Wang accused certain major powers outside the region of exaggerating ideological differences to sow confrontation and division in order to seek geopolitical gains. In other words, what you're saying, democracy isn't good. You should try it our way. <laughs> Wang added... If this trend is allowed to develop, it will not only seriously interfere with the smooth progress of trilateral cooperation, but also aggravate tensions and confrontation in the region. I, you know what? China desperately wants Japan and South Korea on their side so they can take Taiwan. That's all it's about. <laughs> uh, Biden decided he's not going to take it. After the Supreme Court said no, uh, Biden has launched a lengthy process to cancel borrowers' debt, student borrowers, by other means. Biden said last week that the plan rooted in the Higher Education Act of 1965 is legally sound and the best path left. According to the White House, shortly after the high court delivered its ruling Friday, the Federal Education Department launched a so-called negotiated rulemaking process to pursue student debt relief. The text of the Higher Education Act dictates that the Education Department must obtain public involvement in the development of new rules related to the law. Under the process, representatives for students, higher education institutions, and other stakeholders would negotiate a proposed role within the Education Department. The White House also rolled out a new repayment plan and said it would grant borrowers a years-long on-ramp, sparing them from default if they miss a payment. 
Of course, Republicans will also challenge this too. Uh, so basically what Biden's uh, doing is he's using the law to change rules at the um, education uh, um, department level. Uh, uh, he couldn't do it, but they can do it. And it's just going to take a lot of time because they have to open, open it up for public comment uh, to be legal. If they don't, it'll be an automatically challenged in the Supreme Court because there has I've seen challenges like that in the Supreme Court. It'll happen. Uh, moving on. Uh, finally, a lawsuit I can get behind. Speaking of education, a coalition of civil rights groups yesterday filed a lawsuit challenging Harvard University's uh, preferential treatment of applicants related to alumni and donors. A policy the litigants say severely damages and harms prospective students of color. So imagine two people, each identical in grades and accomplishments. One wealthy and their family has gone generations to Harvard as a legacy. The other person is not a legacy, but that's really not what happens. They are never equal. What usually happens is the legacy has worse grades, but is still allowed to go when the person who got better grades cannot because they are not a legacy. And legacies are primarily white. The lawsuit filed by law, Lawyers for Civil Rights, LCR, Lawyers for Civil Rights, uh, on behalf of uh, the Chica Project, African uh, Community Ec Economic Development of New England and Greater Boston Latino Network, claims that Harvard's donor and legacy admissions preferences violate Title VI of the Civil Rights Act of 1964 and ask the U.S. Department of Education's Office for Civil Rights to take all measures necessary to enforce Title VI and ensure Harvard's compliance with the statute and applicable regulations. Imagine if schools were no longer allowed to accept money for students. Remember, remember, this is what happened with that great thing with all these Hollywood celebrities that were getting their children into schools. Remember, except the actual payments were illegal. But even in, in actual donating, imagine if that's ended, what would happen? Uh, the complaint states that Harvard applicants related to donors were nearly seven times more likely to be accepted compared to other applicants, while legacy applicants were nearly six times likelier to be accepted. Roughly 17% of the graduating Harvard students in 2019 had one or both parents who attended the school, while 28% had parents or other relatives who were alumni. If you can imagine, these families are primarily white because legacies would have to be. I mean, they weren't whites weren't allowed before, right? So all these old legacies, they would have to be white. Their family, generation after generation after generation. And Ketanji Brown Jackson, in her dissent in the uh, recent Supreme Court case. I, and you should read this online. I should have actually put it here. Uh, she had a brilliant description of this legacy problem. Anyway, uh, lawyers for civil rights, executive director uh, Ivan Espinoza, Madrigal said in a statement, there's no birthright to Harvard. As the Supreme Court recently noted, eliminating racial discrimination means eliminating all of it. 
There should be no way to identify who your parents are in the college application process. Why are we re rewarding children for privileges and advantages accrued by prior generations? And of course, those prior generations did it through slavery. Um, your family's last name and the size of your bank account are not a measure of merit and should have no bearings on the college admissions process. According to the suit, the students who receive the preferential treatment based solely on family ties are overwhelmingly white. Nearly 70% of donor-related applicants are white, and nearly 70% of legacy applicants are also white. At the same time that donor and legacy preferences disproportionately advantage white applicants, they systematically disadvantage students of color, including black, Latinx, and Asian Americans. That's what they said. I look forward to that, that case going to the Supreme Court. Uh, Republicans are going to be stuck. They, they, they can either go against their previous ruling or actually help the racial disparities caused by this. Moving on to Florida. Uh, yesterday, a federal judge blocked a new Florida election law pushed by Republicans that puts restrictions on voter registration groups, calling it Florida's latest assault on the right to vote. U.S. Chief uh, District Judge Mark Walker granted a preliminary injunction against the law just days after it went into effect. Walker is an appointee of Obama and has repeatedly ruled against the state and passed legal challenges to election measures put in place by GOP-controlled legislature. Uh, Walker wrote in his 58-page order, when state government power threatens to spread beyond unconstitutional bounds and reduce individual rights to ashes, the federal judiciary stands as a firewall. And he invoked a phrase he has often used he said, the free state of Florida is simply not free to exceed the bounds of the United States Constitution. The law passed this spring by the GOP, by GOP legislatures and signed into law by, of course, Ron DeSantis, was a comprehensive measure that included a provision that cleared the way for the governor to run for president. I guess that's temporarily out uh, without having to resign his current position. Uh, the legal challenges, however, came from several groups that, uh, that registered voters, including organizations that focus on registering black and Hispanic voters. Uh, the new law includes restrictions um, on who could handle voter registration applications, uh, blocking, for example, non-citizens, even if they were legally allowed to work in the United States. Uh, the new measure, which subjects the group to steep fines, also barred organizations from retaining information about the new registrants. It also requires them to give a receipt when someone fills out a voter registration application. Uh, Walker, in his ruling, didn't accept the logic of the state, nor did he agree to hold off on issuing his ruling while state election officials draw up more specific rules designed to implement the new law. <laughs> in other words, he said, I, you screwed this the pooch in your first draft, you're stuck with it. <laughs> uh, the judge stated that uh, Florida officials, while offering up proof that applications have been turned into late, uh, did not demonstrate why the ban on non-U.S. citizens handling voter registration for forms were, uh, were needed. 
uh, was needed, rather. Walker wrote, uh, the state of Florida is correct to seek integrity in our electoral system. Uh, sound election laws ensure that people are heard without distortion from ne- negligent and bad faith actors. Here, however, Florida's solutions for preserving election integrity are too far removed from the problems it has put forward as justifications. Of course, Republicans will challenge the decision to the 11th Circuit. Now, uh, uh, this judge has had mixed uh, mixed things happen when uh, uh, challenged at the 11th Circuit. Sometimes he wins, sometimes he doesn't. So we'll see what happens. So, you know, I really do believe we've run out of time. We have run out of time. We're too late. A big oil and other dirty energy executives should be bound to a stake in the sun in Death Valley and forgotten, just left there. In fact, give them as much water to drink as they want. Maybe we can extend the suffering for a few weeks as they bake in the sun. My example for proof of being too late is quite simple. Summer solstice here in the Northern Hemisphere is June 21st. Yet as the sun shines less directly and falls in the sky and the days get shorter, still the next two months are always the hottest. That's the micro example for the macro consequences. Even if we fix it all now, we have decades of damage and worse weather coming. In a speech to the United Nations panel discussion yesterday, UN High Commissioner for Human Rights, Volker Turk, cautioned the current policies put the planet on course for a dystopian future. Turk said, Yet still we are not acting with the urgency and determination that is required. Leaders perform the uh, choreography of deciding to act and promising to act and then get stuck in the short term. Recently, there have been land and sea temperature records. I'm telling you this. Recently, there have been land and sea temperature records. Scientists warn that the clock is running out on the chance of limiting global warming to 1.5 degrees centigrade above pre-industrial levels. Early June, we're already there. We're already at one and a half degrees. I mean, we, we hit it all the time. One, one and a half degrees over. Um, early June 2023 was the hottest on record. And I believe each sub, subsequent year will get hotter. I hope I'm wrong, but I expect 120 degree plus plus degree temperatures in populated areas as a norm. When in the past, that would happen every 500 years. And and you know what? These these populated areas would never have become populated if temperatures were 120 degrees normally there. Like it is in Death Valley. But that's not my biggest concern. Ocean temperatures are getting out of control. It's it's believed Venus was covered with oceans. At one point, Venus, as recently as a half billion years ago, Venus could no longer handle the heat with its oceans. Its clouds got too thick and started to trap more radiation than they reflected. 
Conditions became so warm that all the planet's water turned to vapor, which was then broken up by the sun's radiation. It became essentially a lifeless rock. Then there's carbon saturation. I forgot to mention that. When the ocean can no longer absorb carbon, at this point, the mean temperature of the Earth will be near 200 degrees. I'm not kidding. Carbon saturation. Google it. But don't worry, no one will be around when that happens. With no fish in the ocean and crops worldwide dying off, how could anyone survive? The heat waves this year alone have been legendary. Forest burning, extreme storms happening weekly instead of every couple of years, rising oceans, species dying off. Shall I continue the list? That's all me. Turk warned conditions could get even more extreme if global temperatures rise to around 3 degrees centigrade, which they will. Uh, That's me saying that. Uh, And which current policy, he says, which current policies put them on track to do, according to the most recent report from the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. He said, vast territories would disappear under rising oceans. We're talking the ocean up to the Statue of Liberty's elbow. That's how high it will get. New York, Manhattan, underwater. Um, Vast territories uh, would disappear under rising oceans or become effectively uninhabitable due to the heat uh, and lack of water. Turk recommended a list of actions, including an end to fossil fuel subsidies, a phase-out of fossil fuel use, and a just transition to a green economy. There is, I'm saying this, there is no road left to kick the can farther. There's no road left. You cannot kick the can further down the road. There's no road left. It's a cliff. The next time you kick the clan, it goes over the can, it goes over a cliff. But don't worry. Republicans keep telling us that there's no such thing as global warming. Anyway, that's it. Thanks for listening. Tuesday, July 4th, 2023. Tuesday, July 4th, 2023. Happy Independence Day. I really appreciate you so much. Bring someone with you, if you can, today or tomorrow. PVTV, Political Views TV Podcast. That's what you Google to find me. I'll show up right at the top of the search. Tweet to me questions, insights, or come fight with me at Cyberclops, C-Y-B-E-R-C-L-O-P-S on the Twitter. Maybe send me a story. Maybe say hi. And remember, always remember... Government profit is measured by the betterment of the people. Don't you ever forget that. I'm Peter Lawrence, reporting from Los Angeles.